Hello, everybody. Here I'm there to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your podcasts on any platform like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. Welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And we are recording from a podcast like we originally planned, didn't we? We are in a clandestine secret location only to be revealed to those who are worthy. Well, <laughs> you are a sector. You will be a sector of state one day. So that's that's reality of the situation. One of these days. One of these days. Yeah. And God I'll, help us. And all. I'll be president. So There you go. I'll be secretary <laughs> of state. You'll be president. We've got this thing covered. I would say that we'll both have season tickets, perhaps, also, to uh, some worthwhile Detroit teams at that point. At that point, yeah. Right. Right now, we're in rebuilt city. But the one thing that's really, really good is Michigan. They're pretty good. But they weren't good enough. On Saturday, yeah. As I have said many times about my Spartans, go green. And we even said, both of us said, that that, uh, Michigan State was going to have the edge in that game. And they did. And... We also talked about this having to be a, a must-win for Harbaugh, and he lost. So let's talk about what that means. Well, okay, so we talked about it on the last podcast. Jim Harbaugh had to win this game. It was a big game. But the reality of the situation is he didn't. Kenneth Walker had five touchdowns on the Michigan defense that was number two in the nation at the time. And it made them look really, really like they couldn't defend him at all. Yeah, he was unstoppable, no doubt about that. And the thing is that I didn't see Harbaugh trying to make too many adjustments to accommodate uh, the Kenneth Walker effect. Yeah, and you know, one of the biggest things I had a problem with with, the Kenneth, with with Jim Harbaugh was Tuesday. He was talking to the Estonian uh, Jansen show, and he was blaming penalties for the reason they lost. And, you know, usually... I would say that's a good, you know, usually I'd say, like, well, he's standing up for his team or whatever. But it, when you're in college, it's a totally different game. It's a totally different ball game. Like, you are you are leader of college kids, not a leader of men like a professional team. So you can't be saying that stuff. Well, you certainly can't take a cop out. And I think that that's what that was for Jim Harbaugh. I would have expected more from him. Uh, I would have expected more from a leader in general, but particularly of his caliber and that kind of a program. I was expecting him to to kind of step up and take some responsibility and accountability for what happened, and he didn't do that. You know, he just took took a flyer, he took a cop out on it, and that was the most disappointing thing for me out of Jim Harbaugh. In addition to, I mean, hey, let's face it, I was vote, you know, I was rooting for Sparty, so. For me, I wasn't disappointed in his performance because it's what I was looking for. But if I'm a Michigan fan, um, I would have been expecting more out of my head coach. And I think I think you have to expect more out of your head coach. I mean, everything's still in front of you. If you beat Ohio State, that you could potentially be in the, the playoffs too. If Michigan State won out and Michigan won out, they could potentially both be in the playoffs. The reality of the situation is, like, I don't know why he was worried about those calls when, you know, he's got a tough team coming up in Indiana. You know, it's weird because we talk about it all the time, you know, accountability, accountability. Like, you look at Dan Campbell, that guy has every reason to say, like, he has every reason to say, it's not me, it's not me, it's the talent that I have. And then you look at Jim Harbaugh and he's like, it's the reps, but you know Dan. The reason, the difference between Dan Campbell and Jared, I mean Jim Harbaugh, is Jim Harbaugh was like, it was the reps, the decisions. You know, Dan Campbell could have played that same card against the Ravens when they missed a delay of game. Oh, for sure. But he's like, no, we got to do better. It's we're we got to. It's it's on me. Like I I messed up. I messed up. He took the brunt of his team. Jim Harbaugh didn't do that. I don't think Jim Harbaugh has ever done that. 
No, I think that's part of the problem in, in at Michigan is they don't really have this. Uh, they really don't have this uh, accountability factor. You know, I think I think when you play these teams like a like in Alabama, you know, when you look at the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the world, like what's the one thing that they teach is accountability. You know, you look at Michigan State, what do they teach? Accountability. They they're in year two. They're progressively in year one of their program because Mel Tucker didn't get the chance to recruit like Jim Harbaugh during COVID, you know, right. they both right. didn't get a chance to recruit, but he just started not fresh. But, you know, I, I just don't, I don't see, I don't see why Jim Harbaugh was doing that. It was ridiculous to me. Yeah. I, I think that he's going to have to answer for this and God help him. If he drops, let's say two out of the three, Indiana, Penn state and Ohio state, if he drops two out of those three, yeah, I think he's, he's in some he's, serious he's, trouble. He's in, some, he's in a world of hurt. Yep. I mean, the reality of the situation is, I don't even think he can lose Ohio State. Because how are you going to tell your how are you going to tell your fan base? Oh, we lost to Michigan State. We lost to Ohio State, our two biggest rivals, but we beat the Bucks. And uh, with arguably some of the most amazing talent in college football. Yeah. In addition to that, it's not it's, like it's, he can it, even rely on Dan Campbell's other excuse, which Dan Campbell could use, and that is, I've got no talent. Right. Jim Harbaugh can't say that. Yeah, and Jim Harbaugh's been there seven years. Dan Campbell's been there one year. Mel, yeah. Tuck, Mel Tucker could have used that excuse just going into this year, but he didn't, and they're eight no. You know, that's, that's the reality of the situation. Like, you're in year seven. There are no excuses. This is what you built. You should be winning. Oh, absolutely. And and I'm curious, we still haven't heard from Jim Harbaugh a reason why he's losing, other than it's everyone else's fault. But you haven't heard him say, we've got this deficiency in our program, or we're working on this area with our you know teams. I think one of the big mistakes that he made, and I think, Joe, I, I'm curious to see here your perspective on this, because you talked about this last week, and that is, you know, he went with the um, alternating, uh, you know, uh, Cade and J.J. Uh, McCarthy, and you had talked about not putting a rookie into that kind of high-pressure situation. Well, he decided to stay with that program yeah. instead of sticking with Cade McNamara, you know, his tried and trusted guy who's been in the situation before and is able to deliver. Instead, we're putting pressure on J.J. McCarthy, and he made some critical critical errors right and so um and i don't fault him for that i don't fault mccarthy for that you know what you know what i didn't like about that is is Cade mcmara was actually in a rhythm he was in a rhythm and then you took him out for a couple plays and then you put mac mccarthy in and you ruined that rhythm like if you're in a rhythm as a quarterback or a goalie or a pitcher like you want to stay in like you don't want the, the you know a lot of times in hockey with the goalie's perspective here mm-hmm. is when the play is going and you you're feeling it, you don't want the play to stop. You'll 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 pass it off to your your teammate. Be like, let's get out of zone, like whatever. But I want I want to keep playing. Like I, I don't want I don't want to have, I don't want intermission to come. I just want my rhythm to be the same. And you can go throughout the game when you take when you when you're taking them out and take them in, take them out. Mm-hmm. It kind of ruins that rhythm that you had. Absolutely, and it doesn't matter what kind of a contest you're in. I can tell you we see this in politics all the time, but in sports it's the same thing, is that when you notice your opposition is rolling and they're gaining momentum, one of the first things you're looking to do is to upset that momentum, disturb that, try to throw them off their game, try to change that rhythm. Mm -hmm. So when that's something that the opposition looks to do, and now you have Jim Harbaugh initiating that disruption, it's curious to me. I, I don't quite understand what his thinking was there other than he wanted to stick with what had been working with for him. Yeah, but when you play these tough teams like a Michigan State, like a Penn State, like Ohio State, you won't get away with that. It's strictly talent on talent and see who's the better team, better coach team, better talented team. And you, it's usually, in college football, it's a little bit different. Talent will usually win you games, but like when you get to the, when you get to like a, a game where it's like you're on equal footing or near equal footing, it comes down to coaching. That's 
what it comes down to. And I think that I think you're right. I think that's exactly what we saw here because I'll tell you, I was very impressed with Michigan's play, especially in the first quarter and even going into arguably into even the half. Yeah. You know, I think that this, this Michigan team had done everything they could possibly do to try yep. to deliver the win for Jim Harbaugh. They played their hearts out. I was very impressed. I just thought they I just thought they got out coached cuz like yeah. you looked at it and they were and Michigan State would go up tempo, right? They would go up tempo and then there would be Illegal substitution penalties on the on Michigan and that ruins the drive. That ruins their drive, and it's made Michigan State have another chance at a first down conversion, which they converted. That was a big, big turn up point in the game. You know, the other thing that I noticed, and I don't know, maybe it was me, and maybe it's my green and white perspective here, but every time they show Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines, whether he was ahead or whether he was behind, the guy looked angry. He always looked, he never looked happy over there. I mean, he looked like he was ticked off. He looked angry. He looked, you know, that, you know, he was never happy with where he was at. And yes, I was wondering if that attitude is just, maybe that's something that affects his, it has to affect his players that's on just the field. Jim Harbaugh in, in, in totality. I mean, look, I mean. He, <laughs> He's just a grumpy guy. He's like grumpy cat of football coaches. No, it is, no, that's seriously how it is, though, because Jim, yeah. even at San Francisco with the 49ers, like, he was the same way. Like, he had that aggressive look on his face. But, you know, it's everywhere Jim Harbaugh's went, no matter where he's gone, Stanford, San Francisco, Hasn't lasted long. Now he's with Michigan, you know, a place that he came from. He was a big time player there. He was uh, one of the one of the guys that you know he was a quarterback for Bo, which is a big thing. Bo Schembechler, and um, you, you go, you know, Michigan really can't get rid of him. And I talked to people about this. You know, people were saying, oh, you know. Get rid of Harbaugh. Get rid of Harbaugh. It's like, listen, I don't think you know what you're getting yourself into if you do that. You know, everyone says, oh, let's what can, what can be worse, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, you can go from – I look at Tennessee because Tennessee is one of my favorite teams, the Volunteers of Tennessee. They hired, they fired Philip Palmer, who was their – he was a Tennessee alum, and he was one of their guys, and they fired him as a coach because he wasn't getting it done to their standards that they had. They were fake standards, and they weren't all that together good. And it created a rift between the boosters. Yeah. And it created a rift between the alumni, too, where whatever coach came in, it didn't matter what they were doing, they were like, they wouldn't give him time. Yeah, he was up against, whoever the new coach was going to be up against a wall there. Yeah, he was, either either he was, the they had his back, and then some half of it didn't, you know. It's different because, you know, at these big universities, like, the boosters really do carry a lot of weight. And, like, you guys, you got guys, like, at Michigan State, like the Ishpias, the Gold, the uh, Gilberts, you know, they carry a lot of weight. And they're not, the reason that Michigan State's doing so well right now is because everyone is behind Mel Tucker. In Michigan, there are certain people that are behind Harbaugh, and if they don't get their way, they're not going to be behind any coach that comes in at Michigan. Well, you know, I'll tell you, though, the support, I'm curious to know if there are, you know, kind of holes in the dam of Harbaugh's support, if it's starting to erode a little bit. Um, I wonder how much time they're going to give him, especially if his season starts to go downhill at this point, because as we pointed out before, you know, sure, he had a great record, he was undefeated, but he hadn't really faced any serious competition, yeah. and he was you know, he was really struggling on the road. I mean, he was pulling out wins, but it was barely. Yeah. And um, so now that he's got this tough part of his schedule coming up, you know, if he cannot deliver um, some, you know, consistent wins against some of these powerhouses he's got coming up, how long are the boosters going to be patient with him? And so I think this next half of his schedule is really going to dictate what happens to Jim Harbaugh at the end of the day and going into next season, boosters or not. What's their tolerance level for Jim Harbaugh? We'll have to wait and see on that. But I have to, I have to think that some of his support may be softening uh, once they look at the reality of the situation with him. Yeah, I, I, see, I see that happening too. But I think that right now they – kind of are happy with what's going on. I mean, they're not happy, but they're, it could be a lot worse, you know? And I think that's what a lot of people that are in the boosters or alumni, 
or like, okay, well at least it's not Brady Hoke or Rich Rod. Yeah. You know? But yeah. like it's not it's not Lloyd Carr either. Like Lloyd Carr was the guy who got them a national championship and since then they haven't really won anything. Actually they haven't won nothing. Yeah. So I I you know hard... I think this program deserves better. I have to tell you that. And again, you know, I, I didn't go to Michigan, I went to state, but uh, I feel for these kids at Michigan because I'll tell you what I think they are playing their hearts out in Ann Arbor. I think the the student body is you know still holding you know th- that you know um, they're still holding on to uh, you know support and hope past and glory, everything. Past glory, yeah. Yeah, I think they really are, but I think they're getting a bit despondent, and you really can't blame them. I think they deserve better, and um, the the legacy, the institution, all of that. Uh, I, I think it's time to take a realistic look at Jim Harbaugh and say, you know, what what do we need to do? Perhaps make a change here. Yeah, I he, think it's time. If he doesn't beat Ohio State, I mean, that, that should be the end of it, basically. But if he loses, the worst case scenario is he loses to Penn State and Ohio State. Right. He loses three games, his three biggest games. I mean, that's not good for anybody. So I think that would be really, really bad for him. Well, their performance against Indiana coming up this week uh, is going to really uh, be an indicator of how the loss to Michigan State affected has affected them. Yeah, and yeah. how and how Harbaugh is going to manage that if that becomes evident. Yeah, well, the good thing is they're going up against a freshman quarterback, but Indiana has a really good defense, so that's going to be interesting to watch. But I don't know. I just think that Michigan, they have all their starts are in front of them with the, the playoff and potentially a Big Ten championship. But they need a lot of help, and they need to win the rest of their schedule. No doubt. No doubt about that. In the next segment, we will be talking about Michigan State. So if you want to join us, you can. This is presented by Wild Bills. Welcome to Cindy and Joe Show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And obviously, we have to talk about Michigan State. Woo! Yes, we do. My Spartans delivered, and my man, Kenneth Walker, was absolutely spectacular. Listen, I think there's two things going on with Michigan State. The one is that um, Mel Tucker could be coach of the year. And the second is, do you potentially have a first Heisman Trophy winner at Michigan State? I'll take both of those. Right. I think I'll both, take I them think, both. I think both will be taken by any Spartan. But what a job Mel Tucker has done in his literally his real first year of college football. Oh yeah, he's gone above and beyond. I think what the expectations were, mm-hmm. and he did it by taking responsibility and being accountable for this program. Yep. And I think that's a huge point of differential. Uh, you know, commentary when it comes to Jim Harbaugh and Mel Tucker, you see two very, very different coaching styles, two very different types of coaches, uh, different perspectives. And I think you'll see how Mel Tucker's approach and his attitude and his demeanor and everything else, what the fruits of that have been. I think, you know, you know what I like about Mel Tucker the most, though, is how uh, focused he gets those players and how they know that it's going to be a fight every time that they go out on the field. And, you know, he was, he was saying with Michigan, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a heavyweight fight. Like, you know, you're going to win some rounds. They're going to win some rounds. We're going to win some rounds. They're going to win some rounds, but you just got to keep fighting. Yeah. Well, Mel Tucker takes nothing for granted. And it's just, as you said, he knows he's, he preps his, his players to know that they're going to be fighting and they have to fight every single mm-hmm. game, every single quarter they're having to fight. And that fight is evident when they're down at the half against Michigan and they battle their way back. That, you know, that, that showed me a lot about the the type of team that Mel Tucker has. And this is not even his real team. Cause you know, he hasn't been able to recruit because of COVID and all that. But you know he got these transfers in here, and he got them together, and he, they're basically they came together, and now they're eight and zero, and that's crazy because what's happening is, like, you look at Michigan State, and you're like, well, they're over under in Vegas was four and a half, they're well over, they doubled their over under, yeah, but it, it, it's crazy because like, like, 
I was watching him on college game day. And he said he said that one of his biggest influences in his college football, his coaching career is Nick Saban. And you can kind of see a little bit of Nick Saban and Mel Tucker, the way he coaches, the way he prepares the team, the way he talks to the team, the way he is on the sidelines. He's he's there's two people that have successfully um, put um, used Saban's. They use Saban's like ideal ideas, his style, his style, and they kind of morphed. And that was, and I've seen it with Kirby Smart at Georgia, and I've seen it with Mel Tucker so far at Michigan State. Well, you know, and I think that you know Mel Tucker really exemplifies and has instilled in his players. You know, they wear on the back of their helmet the word relentless. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a word. Yeah. Those guys believe it, and they see it. Every time they see the back of one of their teammates' helmets, they're reminded that they need to be relentless. And yep. that is exactly what Mel Tucker is. He is a relentless coach. He doesn't. If he's down at the half, of his, it doesn't matter. He continues to push forward, and he's instilled that in his players. And you can see that, again, in the game against Michigan. You can see it, you know – I would even argue to say you can almost see that play by play. It doesn't matter if there's been an interception. It doesn't matter if a play didn't go their way. The Michigan State Spartans are able to regroup, come back, and they are absolutely relentless in their pursuit of victory. And that is that changes everything. Yeah, you know what's you know what's amazing is uh, Mel Tucker in Michigan State. The one of the things is that I take from Mel Tucker is. Whenever he's looking at his play sheet and you look at the back of the play sheet, it says whatever it takes. And he does do whatever it takes to win the game. And I think that's something that is great for the Spartans. I think it's great for the Michigan State you know, Michigan State as a whole. I think when you look at a guy like Mel Tucker and then you look at a guy like that you've had so much success with the time as there's a correlation between the two. That they're both bulldogs and they both are innovative and they both find ways to manufacture the most out of their talent. I think, you know, later in the podcast, we'll talk about the the Lions and how they need to do something like that. (laughs) They need to do something. That's for sure. They can take take some notes from Mel Tucker for sure. You know, Mel Tucker, what he's been able to do in one year with the transfer portal and with how he's got players in to buy in. And then when he brought him to Michigan State, he would show them, he literally took him in a room, said, okay, this is one of your rivals talking about you. And he put every clip of video that he could find talking crap about MSU. Like the little bro comment from Mike Hart, Braylon Edwards, Taylor Luan, the Friday before the game talking uh, mad junk, you know. Like this guy loves to, he's not the guy that you really want to give bulletin material to. Well, and that's true, and that is definitely motivation for anybody. And, you know, obviously, you know that I come from a political background. I'm, you know, politician and have been in and around politics for 25 years, and I can tell you this, there's nothing that fires a candidate, a candidate up more than you say that the opposition or someone is talking smack about them. You know, yeah. you want to show them that stuff. And sometimes that will demoralize a lesser candidate, but a champion, a winner – that will motivate. And I think that Mel Tucker uses that motivation well because he knows who he's got in front of him. He believes in that team. He believes in Kenneth Walker. He believes in every one of those players he's got. And I believe they believe in him. And so he knew that that motivational tactic would work. And again, it's a coach who is in sync with his team and that's why he's able to make the right choice at the right time. I love the way that Mel Tucker has basically unified that that university. Everyone loves Mel Tucker, and that he's going to get a contract extension at the end of the year for sure. Oh, let's hope so for he, sure. He, he, he will because they're going to lock him up because everybody is behind Mel Tucker like they are with Izzo, and that's kind of scary because if you get a guy like that, you know he can build something really really special with. Um, but, but he can build something really special with Michigan State, I, I believe. I think there's two things that you, you could you could see. D'Antonio took the program that 
he had. And he brought him to a respectable level, right? And then he kind of weaned off because they had some bad years and they, he kind of fell down. But then, you know, Mel Tucker comes in. He embraces D'Antonio. He talks to D'Antonio all the time. He D'Antonio is in the locker room with them. Yeah. Because he knows that D'Antonio laid the groundwork and he's building it up. And I kind of... Rico on nights I've won made a perfect uh, comparative. You know, D'Antonio built the bottom layer of it and Mel Tucker is building the skyscraper. And where what where it stops is going to be where it stops. You know, it can, it can go sky high. And I think it will, and I really do believe that so long as Mel Tucker is at the helm, what you're going to see is that skyscraper continuing to be built brick by brick, window by window, floor by floor, and before you know it, I would not be surprised if this trajectory continues with these rivals. I will not be surprised if Michigan State becomes the new Michigan as far as the respect, as far as the the accomplishments, um, the trophies, the, the legacy. Michigan State is building a Michigan-style legacy right now, and it's because Mel Tucker is at the helm. And if you saw his interview after the Michigan-Michigan State game. See, I think I, – I, I'll take it – Outstanding. I'll take it a bit different. I think he's going to be – I think his – he could eventually build Michigan State into the new Clemson of the North. Because Clemson wasn't really – they weren't known as this big-time football school. Yeah. And then Dabo came. Dabo Sweeney came. He changed them. They won national. They've won national championships. They've been excellent, except for this year. But they've been one of the best teams in the college football, and that's what I think that Mel Tucker could do. I think he'd take this 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 football program and build it up to new heights. I think it's easier because you know now he's got a groundwork, and he's like, look, listen, look what I did with this guy. Kenneth Walker, who didn't do much at Wake Forest, but he is right. going to win the Heisman here. Right. It'd be pretty special for uh, Mel Tucker to have a Heisman Trophy winner in his pretty much his first year. And what a smart move by Kenneth Walker to have the vision. And I don't know if it was in, in – my understanding is that, you know, he had a conversation with his family, and they all decided that, you know, he wasn't going to get what he needed where he was at, so he needed to make the move to Michigan State. And, you know, what wisdom – on behalf of such a young man to understand that his future and the possibilities for his future lied elsewhere. Yeah. And uh, I think that he and Mel Tucker had a certain amount of chemistry and an understanding, and they just feed off each other. And now look what you've got. You've got an undefeated head coach, and you've got a Heisman Trophy candidate who I think, you know, in one week was able to have the odds in in Vegas, you know, he was what plus fifteen hundred to win the Heisman before the week before the game. He's plus five hundred now, now. He's plus five hundred. I mean, what tremendous you know progress he has made. So, I think that it shows an amount of level of maturity mm-hmm. on his part and a level of vision. And I think that bodes well for him. Obviously, if he's got those instincts as a person, he has those instincts as a player too. And I think sky's the limit for for Kenneth Walker and I'm just I I'm a huge fan of his and I probably always will be no matter where he plays because that is an impressive young man there. I hope he gets drafted by the Lions. <laughs> because I hope not at this point I, unless something changes with no, the Lions. I, think, I don't want my Kenneth Walker going to the Lions. I think Kenneth Walker could be listen I, I I'd like to see him go to Dallas or somebody I, who's got well, a shot. He's not gonna go to Dallas because I got Elliot but if you I mean if you look at it like I think Kenneth Walker can be a real. He could be Le'Veon Bell 2.0 in in in, in the NFL, and that'd be that'd be amazing for that 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 team. But I like to see him on the Lions because I'm, I'm you know very very. Uh, they need all the talent they can get. That's just putting it lightly. And we're going to be talking about that in the next segment. Yes, we will. We will be talking about the Lions in the next segment. Join us for that. And you know what I'm going to say, Joe. I'm going to let everyone know the secret to a winning team. you got to listen to the next segment to find out. Oh, boy. All right. We'll see you in the next segment. Welcome to the Cindy and Joe Show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. We're obviously talking about the Lions. Everybody hurts as a Lions fan, you know? <laughs> 
Bless him. Everybody hurts all the time now if you're a Lions fan, not just sometimes. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's sad because they're rebuilding and it's it's, it's, it's a brutal, it's going to be a brutal rebuild. It is going to be a brutal rebuild and I think that everyone needs to relax and go to Wild Bill's Tobacco, over 150 locations all throughout Michigan to get, yes, just like you're about to eat your chew, Joe, yep. to get that and uh, relax a little bit. So you talk about winning teams. Yes. At Wild Bills. You say you have the secret ingredient to win in teams. I know I'm right, so let's hear your, your side of the story. Well, because your contention, if I am not mistaken, is that the reason why the Lions keep losing, the reason why the Red Wings lost, the reason for all losses in your world, Joe, is lack of talent. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Exactly, yep. I see. Okay. Well, what I will tell you is what was shared with me by a former Olympian and a former professional skier who is more or less uh, become an expert on team dynamics, okay? And one of the things that he said is that there is a secret ingredient that every winning team or organization has. It is the common denominator for everyone who is in a successful team or organization. And do you know what that common denominator is? Because I'm going to reveal it. Momentarily. Get this noob out of here. Just get out of here. Here is the common denominator. You might say it's skill, ability, mm-hmm. talent, personality, Let's hear it. flow. It is trust. You have get to have... It is trust. You have to have trust in an organization. You have to have trust among your teammates. You have to have trust in your management. You have to have trust in your coaching staff. You have to have trust in your system. If there is no trust, then you have a breakdown in performance. You have a breakdown in communications because nobody trusts anybody. And what I think you are seeing when it comes to uh, the Lions is you're seeing a lack of trust the question is, where is the lack of trust in the organization? I'm not in that organization, so I can't say. But I guarantee you, Joe, for those out there in our listening audience who are members of the Lions organization, and we know you're out there. Hi, everybody. Um, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and you know exactly in your organization where the lack of trust is. And I don't think there's one of them who would disagree with me on that because everything follows from that. And I can say that in my organization, I've seen that. I've seen it in political organizations, business organizations, and I think there's absolutely some credibility to that. And anyone who's been part of a winning organization or a winning team will tell you they trusted each other. They trusted each other to do their jobs, to do what they needed to do, to have each other covered. There was trust in the organization or on that team. I promise you, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. See, Cindy, well, your story is very, very... Um, right on. Up, exactly up, correct. Uplifting. And, <laughs> you know, you, you you talk to the skier dude. That's not the reality of the situation. And, you know, trust is a big part of sports. It is. But when you don't have talent... You can't do anything, absolutely anything. You know, you look at the Atlanta Braves, right? They just won the World Series last night. We're recording on a Wednesday. They won the World Series. They have talent. They are missing their star player, right? They're missing their star player, Acuna, Robert, Rob, Ronald Acuna. But they had enough talent to get them over the hump. Could the Tigers have done the same thing? Could the could the Red Wings have won the Stanley Cup last year with a missing link like a Larkin or a Bertuzzi? Well, they can't even win three games straight. They can't even win games without those two. Talent is the biggest. It's it's one of the biggest keys in sports. If you don't have talent, you you you, you, you the mistakes you can make as a talented team, you can't make when you're not talented. Like you can't. And the obvious. The reality of the situation is you're going to make mistakes regardless. But when you make mistakes like an interception, that hurts three times more when you're not talented. Like it costs you three times more like the Chiefs, right? They turn the ball over a lot this year, a lot. 
don't know what's going on with Yeah, Kansas Patrick City. Mahomes is having a very rough time. Yeah, yeah, he's having a really, really rough time. He leads the league in interceptions right now. But they have a winning record, and you go, why do they have a winning record? Well, they have talent. They really do have talent, and they keep shooting themselves in the foot. The Lions, you know, Jared Goff has, I think, two less interceptions than uh, Patrick Mahomes, and they're 0-8. What's the correlation? Well, one's talented and more talented than the other. He can get away with them. The things that Goff can't get away with, Mahomes can't get away with. Because he's got backup, and he trusts that he's got people at his back who can cover for him. I think also, in all fairness to the Lions, okay, has Jared Goff been a terrible disappointment? Yes. There has to be a lack of trust on that team in Jared Goff to make the right decisions at yep. the right times because he seems to be making all the wrong decisions at the yep. wrong times. So I think that there's a lack of trust there in their QB's ability to perform and to deliver. On that on that point, I agree with you. Yeah. I think, like, you say lack of trust, right? You know, I don't think they can trust, um, let's say, like, uh, one of their corners, right? Who, who Like, a guy like who's an uh, underactive free agent, Jerry Jacobs, right? I don't think they can trust him the same as they would trust an all-pro corner. So that's the trust factor you're talking about. Well, because you see, and I, the reason why, and I'll go a step further as to why I'm suggesting to you that my hypothesis and why I believe in what this former Olympian was saying, because I've seen it myself in other applications, but here's the, here's the reality. I'll use one of your... One of your taglines, Joe, and I think we got t-shirts made up yeah, here's with, the with this. The reality, the reality of the situation is... The reality of the situation right, is... The reality of the situation is when you have a lack of trust, it leads to a crisis of confidence in your uh, in the elements of your team. And I think that's what's happened. There's a lack of trust that has led to a crisis of confidence. And I would say this, that is my message with the Lions... They have had a crisis in confidence, and in not only in Jared Goff, they've had a crisis of confidence, perhaps in some upper management. Uh, they, they have a crisis. They're in a crisis situation, and I think that Dan Campbell has got to treat this organization now as they are an organization in crisis, and there's a crisis well, of confidence. They are an organization in crisis. Because Absolutely. Because if you look at it, they lost their all-pro center. They lost their uh, all they lost their Pro Bowl left tackle for a while. You know, these players that they thought were going to be there to help them, you know, ease with the rookies and the young players, you know, they're one of the youngest teams in the NFL. They really can't take the, the – you need veteran leadership in the room. And when it's not out there, I mean, there's certain people that are leaders and there's certain people that are not leaders. And you could tell that Frank Ragnall, the center for the Lions, was a huge leader for that team because – they were playing so much better on offense when he was on on the on the, uh, the Lions, and he wasn't injured. And you can kind of see that they they are in crisis right now. There there's injuries yeah. everywhere. You know their their pass rusher Romeo Okwara out, Jeffrey Okuda out, uh, Melifanwu out. He's their second best corner. He was he was a rookie that was drafted because of his uh, talent out. You know there's so much there's so much that they are lacking right now. That, they could, first of all, when they came to the season, they were already lacking a lot of things. So when you turn all that together, like they are in they are in crisis mode. Like they are in all out. What in the hell is going on? Well, and I think it's going to be incumbent on Dan Campbell to recognize that, and he's going to have to make some adjustments to his program and to his perspective and to his approach. It, recognizing that he's in crisis, he's not in a normal situation. He's got to go to the playbook of. Uh, you know, what well, do you do for crisis management 101? And you can look up crisis management in anything. He I, needs to apply that now. I think you saw that with, in the Rams game where he was doing onside kick, fake punts, yeah. doing this. Because he knows if he does not get the points, he is not going to keep up with the LA Rams. And he was right because they ended up winning because the t the, the times that you had a chance to get take a touchdown, you took a field goal instead of a touchdown. And I think they need to really take a playbook, uh, a page out of the playbook of Michigan State, and that is, you know, they are relentless. And I think that Dan Campbell has to encourage and motivate his his team to continue to be relentless because they've come awfully close on a couple of these, 
you know, playoff caliber teams, uh, the LA Rams being one of them, you know, they, they've come very close in some cases, so they have to keep it up, which is really tough when you keep losing all the time. Yeah. But also, he, he really does have to employ some crisis management techniques with these guys to get them over that hump and to encourage them to continue forward. Yep, I think that's a big, big step in there that, that they have to take. But, you know, you look forward and you go after the bye week, they have the Steelers and the Browns. Those are two really, really good teams. And then they play the Bears on Thanksgiving, which could be their, their a chance to win. They have the Vikings at home. That could be another chance to win. The schedule does start to get easier. And I think that, I think what you'll see is I think Dan Campbell will get the team to play some good football coming up. I think that getting Taylor Decker back is going to be huge. And then whoever they get back in terms of injury may help out the team, but they really need all the help they can get right now. And they need it from wherever they can get it. That's for sure. I wouldn't, I would not be picky, Dan Campbell. Take the help wherever you can get it. Because it surely isn't coming from the quarterback. Uh, No, and that's a sad, sad reality. Well, this was depressing. Um, in the next segment, we will talk about more depressing stuff as we talk about the Red Wings and their three-game losing streak. But I don't think it's depressing. I'm going to have the Sunny Homer perspective back, Joe. You guys are going to love it. Uh, of course you will. <laughs> we'll see you in the next segment. Okay, we're talking about Red Wings and Between the Whistles podcast, Cindy and Joe show. Woo! I am Cindy. Now, I'm Joe. I was wondering if he was going to tell you all that. Yeah, I really don't. (laughs) We're talking the Red Wings, and uh, you have some homer take about the Red Wings uh, uh, with their three-game losing streak. I'm curious to see what that is. Three-game losing streak, not a big deal, and I'll tell you why. Because there were some very unique circumstances that were involved in that losing streak, okay? You had two of your top liners that were not present, Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, so that was, you know, a unique circumstance and not unusual. But in the middle of all that, look what we do have. We've got my man, my guy that I've been promoting from day one, Mo Sider. Moritz Sider being named Rookie of the Month, right? So, I mean, outstanding performance by Mo Sider. You've got Raymond who's stepping up to the plate. That's another exciting young rookie. That's right. He's your guy. I'll give you that. I was always the Mo Sider. You were always the Lucas Raymond. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we both agree we like both those guys, but yep. but we had a little different uh, take on priorities of who was going to be the real stud, but I'm happy to say they both have come to play. I think that, you know, you've got some great performance coming out of uh, guys like Robbie Fabry, you know, has really plugged the hole where he needed to. Uh, you've got, you know, maybe Zadina. Zadina's trying his, like, crazy to make it happen. Just quite hasn't happened yet, but that's okay because I think Zadina's going to eventually come. You've got, you know, uh, some performance still well down there in the third and fourth lines. I think you've got Nevdelkovich, who's been playing his heart out, maybe not quite, uh, you know, getting the results that he wants, but, you know, that's because they've got some, you know, failures in the defense, but that's always been, you know, the challenge with the Red Wings has been their defensive pairing. So the thing of it is that I see some tremendous, um, again, talent really coming up. I see Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famers on this team, and I think that this three-game losing streak is going to be exactly that. It's going to end at three games. I think they're going to win against Boston, so long as Tyler Bertuzzi can get there, right? Did you read that article in the free press? Yeah, where, you know, he had to take his own way to get to Boston. It's it's like, you know 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 what's funny about that? It's like, it's like, they think Tyler Bertuzzi is a, is a college scra- scraper for change. <laughs> I know. Like he works at Hunks uh, Moving, you know, <laughs> where he's he's making eleven bucks an hour. I mean, God for God's sakes, dude. I mean, he's a twenty-five-year-old multi-millionaire right, right now. I don't think he's going to have a hard time getting to Boston. I don't. I, I, really I don't think it's an issue. I really for don't. Him. I really don't think he looks at the Delta flights and goes, "This is expensive." <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, I better take the red eye here. I mean, you know. Yeah, you're like you're like. I don't think Tyler Bertuzzi's going. Oh man, one hundred and forty bucks. <laughs> that's like half my. That's like it's like. A, I got. What do you mean one hundred and forty bucks for right. for for just uh, you know general class? No, yeah. no. You know what Tyler Bertuzzi's seen? He's like, okay, where's first class? Okay, there's first class. 
Three grand? Okay. We're no good. problem. You know, I'll tell you what, knowing, knowing kind of Tyler a little bit, and I think, you know, you kind of know him a little bit too. Heck, Tyler was probably getting in his truck, you know, yesterday, driving to Boston, you know, just for the for the heck of it, you know, just to have a road, road trip. trip. <laughs> right. You know, and uh, someone pretty, having a I'm good pretty, time pretty, cranking up the radio. I'm pretty sure that he can pay some random person to take him to Boston. Oh, I'm sure there's enough random fans out there that would take him for free. He'd probably be beating him off with a stick. But, you know, uh, well, they would, there's some of them that would want to beat him, you know. And, you know yeah, there's, that's the only thing. Hey, you know, Tyler, <laughs> let's go. It's like, whoa. <laughs> or he might get some weird, you know, middle-aged woman, you know, like, like, uh, you know, Bates's, you know, have Kathy ever, Bates's character in Misery. Have you ever? I'll tri- take you, Tyler. Have you ever tried milk? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take you to Boston, honey. Yeah, it's like it's like. Uh, on second thought, I'll take a Greyhound. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, yeah, no, I don't think Tyler Batiste is going to have any trouble getting to Boston. No. For, in fact, he was at practice day, so I don't I don't think he's going to have any trouble. Uh, and I think he's going to do well there. I think you're going to see the losing streak is going to get broken, uh, you know, in, in Boston today. And so, But if you read the fan boards, they are, like, freaking out. And I don't understand this. I don't understand. I'll tell I, you. I, I laugh at some of them because, you know, like, some of them just don't get it, right? Like, some of them, like, literally are like, oh, my God, why isn't Zadina playing good? Well, you know, Zadina's trying to figure out the NHL. Like, that's the reality of the situation. And, you know, a lot of these players don't come out like Lucas Raymond and Cider, where they come out of the men's league and they're ready to go. Well, and that's it. You know, both of those guys, and I'll tell you, this is a testament to to, to Stevie Y and his, you know, Stevie plays a long game. Mm-hmm. He's not a short game player. Yep. And um, so he knew he needed these guys. He knew their talent. He saw it right off the get-go. Yeah. And so what did he do? He didn't put them in the A, right? No. He didn't put them. No, no, no. He put them over or encouraged them to be in that Swedish league where they're playing in a men's league because he knew that that was the fastest way to develop these guys the right way and get them with some talent uh, at the level that he knew they would need to produce in the NHL. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because a lot of people are like, why, 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 why is, why wasn't Cider up last year? It's like, well, he was learning, you know, and he had to protect him with the expansion draft, but, you know, People are just going crazy about the whole, uh, the you know, them losing a little bit. You know, they're gonna they're gonna hit a they were gonna hit a bump regardless. It's how it's how they respond after after adversity. You know, there's a lot of adversity that's hit them with Larkin leaving the team for personal reasons for for now. Uh, and, yeah, and, that that's really honestly, Joe. That particular dynamic has me more worried than anything. You know, I wasn't. I I wasn't always Larkin's biggest fan. I was a little bit critical of him, especially when he assumed a leadership position. You were always a huge advocate for Dylan Larkin, so I think this has to have you concerned as well. I'm particularly concerned for Dylan, not so much for the organization. I mean, I I am, no question. I'm concerned about the loss of Dylan Larkin and what that's going to mean for the Red Wings, but I'm more concerned for Dylan Larkin from a personal perspective of what has him out um, and what the personal reason might be. Yeah, that uh, that has me worried too. And I hope it's I hope it's everything that's I hope everything's good with him because we do need him. He is a great leader. I mean, if you talk to people within the organization of the Red Wings, and they always say, you know, Dylan is a really really good leader. And the reason Stevie named him captain is because he sees a little bit of himself in Dylan, and that's the reality of the situation. And Dylan leaving the team for personal reasons isn't like, oh. My girlfriend broke up with me. You know, I don't. Right. Think, I don't think it's anything like that. There's some speculation on the fan fan pages that that's why is because you know he had some you know romantic you know breakup or something like that. No. Um, I don't think that's the case either. I I, I wish it would be that simple, but I, I suspect that is something a little more significant than that. So whatever it is, we certainly it hope had to that. be significant for Stevie Y to sign off. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Yeah. And I think that you know, whereas I think Dylan Larkin. Um, has developed 
into a good leader. And the leader, more importantly, he's developed into the type of leader that the Red Wings need right now. You know, it's not necessarily being the greatest player or the greatest leader. It's being the right person in the right time. Mm -hmm. And I think that Dylan Larkin has developed into that. That makes his loss even more significant. There's a certain, when you wear the Red Wings logo on you, right? Right. There's a certain, there's a certain, uh, there's a certain thing that's given to you that you kind of you can't take for granted, right? I mean, you're wearing one of the top logos, top for the top franchises in all sports. You know, it's like when you put on a Yankee uniform. Absolutely. You know that you have history on your jersey. When you wear a Dodgers uniform, a Lakers jersey, a, you know, a Spurs jersey, a Celtics jersey, Red Sox, you know, any of those primo hot spot, you know. Where tradition is excellence. That's what it is. And when you wear that, and then you're, and you, then they put the C on you. I mean, that's even more. Even, wearing the C for the Red Wings is like. I yeah. mean, I don't know if you've seen that picture with all the captains. That I was about to say it, that. Look at look at that legacy of that of the captaincy. There is not one guy. There's not one guy that didn't wear the C that isn't in the Hall of Fame. Right. And that's that should tell you everything you need to know. About this franchise. Even in their lean years, you have all famers. Right. Absolutely. And and I'm hoping that I'm hoping that this personal reason is not attributed in some way to that, that perhaps the pressure was starting to get to him. Yeah. Or or that it's something that, you know, is just over he's feeling overwhelmed or something like that. I'm I'm really hoping that it's not that. But whatever it is, let's hope that uh, it works out well for Dylan Larkin and that we see him back in the lineup soon because that line is going to need him. I'm anxious to see if, um, with Bertuzzi being back on that line tonight, if um, it gets a little, it gets a little bit better. Yeah, exactly. And um, I'm really hoping, and I think it will actually, yeah. because you know I think what's as as good as your Lucas Raymond is, and I love him. The guy's a stud. I'm not going to argue you need that. A, you need a leader. You need you a do. leader. You do. You need a leader. And you need a veteran presence yeah. there. And I'm hoping that Tyler Bertuzzi can bring that to this line yeah. um, and help to activate Lucas Raymond. And I don't know who they're going to have up in the lineup uh, in Larkin spot. It'll do be, yeah, I don't, we don't know that yet. But yeah. I just, I think, I think Larkin uh, not playing is. It's it's a big thing for the Red Wings because he's he's your captain. He was handpicked by one of the greatest captains of all time. It's not like he was he was handpicked by Bob down in Wyandotte. You know, right. he, was, he was picked by <laughs> Steve Eiserman of all people. I mean, right? Steve Eiserman knows what to look for in, in a leader. Yeah, and and so I think that they're going to snap the losing streak tonight, and I think that the regardless of this little hiccup, and I'm yeah. going to call it that. I am so encouraged by this Red Wings team. I just see a ton of potential Hall of Famers coming up. I see a ton of potential All-Stars coming up. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, we're going to be hard-pressed when it comes to the All-Star team, who who they're going to put up. Because really, Lucas Raymond, uh, Mo Sider, you've got Larkin, Bertuzzi. Look at, we've got options for this. I mean, it was almost like last season, it was kind of like, well, you didn't have a whole lot of options when well, it came to well, who you put then, up for the All Star game. Then after you're adding, after the Olympic break, you're adding Verona back. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's if they can just get to be in the conversation by the time the Olympic break, and then they get Verona back, they should be a playoff team, no doubt. Oh, I'm I'm gonna tell you, and this is why when you said we have more depressing news, and I disagreed, and why I'm not depressed. I'm in fact very inspired because these rookies just keep getting better. Mm-hmm. You've got Tyler Bertuzzi who is going to be back in the lineup. Uh, you know when they're not playing in Canada, so you got Tyler Bertuzzi back in the lineup. You've got um, you know performance still solid down there on the third and fourth lines. I think the defense, even though they're uh, struggling a little bit, um, I, I love the Stetcher Stahl uh, you know pairing. Yeah. I think Mo Sider is bringing. Well, said, Mo Sider is going to be great no matter where they put. That when guy. I said depressing, I, what I meant is. You know, it's it's kind of depressing that they aren't gonna get the they're not seeing you know their captain out there. That's that's a depressing part because I really think he could have put you know his best foot forward for in in uh, both those games. Yeah, I think so. But I'll tell you, this team, I will tell you now. I'm gonna I said it before. I'm gonna say it again. This Red Wings team is going to be in the playoffs 
I would almost be willing to say round second round. Mm-hmm. I think they'll get past the first I, round into the second for round. For me, it's too early. We'll see around Thanksgiving where they are. But yeah. see, I'm taking the Homer positive, sunny outlook, Cindy perspective, Joe. Yeah, you always do that. So, you know, that's <laughs> so how So you can is. always tune into the Cindy and Joe so- show if you want to hear happy, positive vibes about my guys, the Detroit Red Wings. And then you can hear realistic, mad vibes by Joe Tapp. <laughs> Don't be grumpy cat Joe like grumpy cat Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, he's the grumpy cat of Michigan sports in my mind. Don't be the grumpy cat, Joe. So, in your opinion, yeah. there's there's one last question before we end the show. Who has, besides Tyler Bertuzzi yeah. and uh, Lucas Raymond mm-hmm. and Cider, okay. who has been the biggest, uh, in, biggest addition to the team or biggest performance on the team? Robbie Fabry. Yeah, I, I you know I did like when he played on the line with uh, Larkin. Uh, Larkin. Uh, uh, he played on the line with Larkin that one day. Yeah, ro- yeah, yeah. Robbie Fabry. The thing that I the, way, the reason I say it so definitively is because I was there the very first game Robbie Fabry played with the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. Um, I was right there on the glass. He impressed me that night. He scored the, a goal that night and. He has been reliable ever since. I think he's solid. Whether they he's on the second line where he is his kind of normal station is, if mm-hmm. they move him up to the first line, I think you could put Robbie Fabry anywhere and he is going to be a catalyst and a support for the rest of, of the, that line. And um I think he's probably one of the best additions that has been made and uh I think you're seeing it continue best on this performances. season. Oh, oh, yeah. I think because, and, and not that he's necessarily been sexy and flashy and all that, although I think he's a good-looking guy. Um, but, no, in terms of his performance, may not be flashy, but, damn, that guy is there every time he needs I'm going to go another guy that's not flashy, but he's 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 reliable. Yeah. Adam Ernie. I think Adam Ernie has played an, an amazing first half, first part of the season where he's been – you know, that Florida game when he was blocking shots and he was giving up the body, like, what a, that's something that you need. You know, you look at that and you go, okay, that's that's a guy that, you know, really wants it, really plays his heart out. And he's always scoring goals no matter what. Like, he's always yeah. in the mix to score a goal. Yeah, and, and like I said, and we were talking about defense pairings, you know, I mean, we, we you tend to, when you ask these questions, you tend to fall on to the forwards, you know, yeah. um, just because of the nature got, of what do you, they do. Who do you got defensively? Um, I I think Troy Stetcher has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he has done, again, he's one of those reliable guys, but you know who's been the most surprising for me, honestly? Well, and I like Nick Liddy, too. I can't say I don't. But who's surprised me the most is Danny DeKaiser. I think Danny DeKaiser's playing some of his best hockey ever. I, I told you Danny was going to get his, his, his act together. Yeah. And um, I also would go to Danny DeKaiser. I like the way he's moving the puck. You know, I would go to Nick Lighty, but DeKaiser's been playing some really inspired hockey, and he's been more physical this year than he ever has. Mm-hmm. He's been more um, smart with the puck. And I think there's two you know veteran defensemen that have helped him out a lot. I think Nick Letty and Stahl have really helped him out a lot. Yeah. And honing his game and knowing what he can do. Because you can kind of see he's starting to resemble a little bit of Nick Letty. Yeah. The way he controls the puck, the way he walks the puck, and the way he, the way he gets the puck down the ice. Like, I was very, very surprised by that. Well, you know, I think the memo went out. And I think Danny DeKaiser got that memo. I think every member of that team got the memo that we are going to be a more, we are going to play a more physical game. And that's our brand, and that's our identity. That's who we are, and we're going to go out there, and we're going to take it. And um, I think you've seen that there. Let me ask you a question. I know we had last question, but since you asked who I think the best performer was, I'm going to ask you, who's been your biggest disappointment so far? Biggest disappointment? I would have to go to Zadina. Because we expected so much more? I expected more, and I think he just needs to – he, his confidence is shaken. He needs to get his act together. Not really worry about. He needs to play reckless. Like you know, I don't say reckless, but like let people get the puck and turn over the puck a lot. But 
be reckless shooting the puck. Like, don't he, – he's he's in his head. He's on his own head. I was about to say, he needs to get out of his headspace. Yeah, I think yeah. – it's, it's like when you have a goalie who's having trouble, like Vasilevsky was having trouble in the first part of the season. Yeah. Like, he, John Cooper's like, he needs to just get out of his own head. And that's what Zadina needs to do. He needs to get out of his own head. Well, for me, uh, the one that I was expecting more from is uh, Rasmussen. Yep. Uh, I, 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 you know I, – he has often been criticized for he's got this size but never uses it. So it's not like I was looking for him to come alive in that area. But I was looking for him to be more of a playmaker I've, I've, than I've, he's been. I've liked Rasmussen so far, so I don't, I don't I don't get the hate for Rasmussen right now. But I think there's a lot to build on. I think they're going to get better. And I think you know they're going to get better. So Oh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they do in Boston. And we'll see how they – next week we'll talk about the same stuff about the Rebbings, and hopefully we'll know a little more about Dylan Larkin. But as is as is standard here on the Cindy and Joe Show, you will hear a fresh perspective from your hometown team. Something, you know, we talk about things nobody else talks about, and you can't get it anywhere but here. So make sure that you're tuning into the Cindy and Joe Show. Subscribe to our show on Spotify and soon-to-be Apple. Yep, and we will talk to you next week. Have a great week.